Welcome back to the Mountains and the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. 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 We're digging into what we have really, really wanted to hear. That's right. The Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. Waiting since whenever that was. June, when they announced this set. And yes, we wanted to hear the remastered album because it needed it so badly. And okay, we knew we were going to get those edits and B-sides, mm-hmm. which was actually more exciting than we thought it would be. Right. Well, then you thought I had, I came into it with oh, no illusions about whether it was going to be great or awful or passable or whatever. And it was quite enjoyable. It was very much so. And now we get to the good stuff. Mm-hmm. The vault material. That's right. But before we do that, I want to thank Jeff. He sent us some mugs just to be nice, to thank us for making the podcast. And Jeff, we thank you for including us in your super deluxe commemorative mug joy that you do. Thank you. (laughs) Yes. They are awesome. They are awesome. I'm drinking coffee from one right now. And I drank coffee from one earlier today. That's right. Josh is done with the coffee. That's right. I got in and out. That's right. And I'm still going. Still nursing it. That's right. Last time we decided this disc four, the first disc of vault material, that we were going to split it up, I think, to give ourselves a little bit more space to talk about the material and you a little less work to do (laughs) for (laughs) editing editing it all together. (laughs) Uh, it's got 18 songs, and we're going to cover the first nine in this episode, Uh huh. which I think is very respectable. I added up some times, oh. if you're interested. Oh, I, I am interested. The first nine songs are 42 minutes and nine seconds, which okay. I think is a pretty good length for an album, if you consider Purple Rain was about 44 minutes, and Parade was about 41 minutes, mm-hmm. and the Batman soundtrack was only 38 minutes. This is... Easily an album's worth of material. Well, and after having sat down and made notes for this one, I'm glad we split it up. Your hand is hurting? Uh, Well, a little, but not anymore. It did. Well, it's been a day or so since you finished. I finished my notes. Did your pen last the entire time? I did. Christy's very much a pen and paper note taker. My computer is busy recording us. (laughs) Writing stuff down is the last thing I want to do. <laughs> well, yeah, but you're lefty. That I makes am. a difference, I think. Maybe. Get going on the music. That, that's right. Let's do it. All right. So the first song, I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man, 1979 what? version. When? <laughs> Where? How? <laughs> this ended up being the fourth single from Sign of the Times. The album version. Yes. Right. Yeah. And it was believed to have been recorded in 1982. Yeah. But it actually dates back to May of 1979, which is what we have right here. That's crazy. It is crazy. uh, To me, it sounds, I agree. I would think this sounds like it was recorded or maybe reworked in 1982. I mean, it's a stunningly different recording from 1979 when Prince was leaning heavily on his falsetto. Mm-hmm. And this sounds like it could fit nicely on those 1999 special edition vault discs. It kind of yep. has that sound to it. So uh, I'm not completely convinced. Oh, really? Well, if this is like all recorded in 1979 or reworked a little bit in mm. the early 80s, I don't know. I had also forgotten that this was 
released as a preview for the album as a single back on July 16th, 2020, which was, I was thinking this morning, well, why would they, why did they release this one as the first single? It's a weird choice because it's not really of the era. It's an early version of the song from the era, but it's not in the era, right? It was all this stuff is um, organized chronologically too. I think it's important to note. So of course this is track one. But then I remembered, oh, I know why they released it first, because they released it on the 34th anniversary of the album version, which was July 16th, 2020. Very, so that makes a lot of sense. Very there cool. was very good reason to make this a single from the album, and it was a great one because no one had heard it before. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah. What ended up appearing on Sign of the Times was entirely re-recorded in July of 1986. Yep, July 16th. Mm -hmm. There are some covers of this song. I'm going to mention them briefly. Okay. So in 1990, the Goo Goo Dolls did a cover of this song. You found all kinds of covers. I have found a lot of covers. Um, the Eels did one in 2006, and Jordan Knight of uh, the New Kids on the Block. You mean NKOTB? That's what I wrote in my notes. <laughs> did a cover of it in 1999, and Jordan Knight's version is the best, but I would say none of these are really very good. Oh. I would skip I, them. I hate to judge a song by its singer, but I would have said I'm not very interested in any of that. No, uh, I will put them all on our social media, though. So if you must, you must, you you may check it out there. You can find us on Facebook, The Mountains and the Sea, a Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast, or you can send us an email, TMATSpodcast at gmail.com, and I will send you a link if I have to. So I would say if you're going to listen to any quote unquote cover version, yeah. you should listen to Prince with Third Eye Girl do this song. Oh, their reworking of it. The, it's kind of slowed down uh-huh. and rock and roll is it's great. super cool. Yeah. It's the only quote unquote cover really that you um, really cover. need to listen to. It's, it's him playing his own music. I know. Getting but, tired of it and reworking it. Yep. Yeah. I do think, you know, as we get into this, the waters get kind of murky, including this version with this set, though I'm very glad they did. It kind of opens a can of worms for super deluxe edition releases with Prince's recording history being so lengthy lengthy and revisiting songs so much mm-hmm. to have songs recorded at one point that might not appear on an album for a decade or more. Should this song be here or on... Prince Super Deluxe Edition from 1979. I guess it's a good argument, but going chronologically is as good a way as any to organize vault tracks. So I can't fault it. I just think of the, uh, all the other ways that it could have been done. But it's cool to have this one here as track one and to get it as a preview to the to the collection was um, a great move. Well, and I absolutely agree with that because... Who knows when they would get to a Prince Super Deluxe or if there's enough material for a Prince Super Deluxe at some point in the future. Maybe there's not. We don't quite know all that's in that vault. Or what the urgency is from Warner Brothers to get out the stuff that they can be a part of because Mm -hmm. all of this ownership transfers over to Sony. 
soon also. So that could have played a role in it also, mm-hmm. that uh, ownership or licensing may have played a role. Right. I don't, I'm not going to find any fault with it being here. There's a lot of, I'm sure, a lot of different reasons why it makes sense here. I can see a lot of them. I bet there are some that we don't oh, have answers to. I'm sure too. And so. I totally agree. I'm good with it. I just think, you know, once you make a decision like this, let's, let's like, let's organize it chronologically. Are you kind of, kind of locking yourself into doing that later? Maybe we'll see. No, you don't I think don't, it's that no. organized. I you don't, don't think I, these rules are sticky like that. Uh, no, I do. I do not. I do not think that these rules are hard and fast. The, this is what's right for this release. Okay. What's right for a different release may be entirely different. It does have the word time in the title of this collection. So there's another reason to do it. Sign of the time. Sure. So they organized it by time. Okay. (laughs) Wait until love sexy and they have to organize them by the least sexy to the most sexy. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) jeez. I think the chronological thing will probably stick, but I don't think that the... This is the album that it ended up being released on is necessarily a kind the kind of rule that will stick through for future super deluxe. And I'm actually good with that too. If they want to change the game plan for each release, that's cool. I'm just saying this time they decided chronological was the way to do it. And I think part of that too is probably because so many of these tracks from this era had have been released on Crystal Ball from 1997. Um, 98. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 98, but. Okay. But, you know, like Dream Factory, already released, already released. Crystal Ball, already released. There were a number of tracks that are there already, and they were kind of like just giving us the stuff and saying, make your own playlist, put it in the order that you like, and you can recreate Camille, mm-hmm. and you can recreate the Dream Factory, and you can recreate Crystal Ball, which is. Sort of true, although not completely true, because these tracks here are remastered and sound great. A lot of the ones on Crystal Ball are not that great. Mm-hmm. It was just like they cranked the volume up. So you make a playlist of these things to make an album, and it will blow your head apart in parts. <laughs> so hey, Hamish had a nice post about Dream Factory. Speaking oh. of making your own playlist for unreleased albums like in back in 2016 or something. I just read it on uh, Hamish Wooda's Prince off the record blog. Yeah. Um, he was listening to his favorite configuration of dream factory. Oh, so cool. It made me think of that while you were Rambling. talking about that. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's talk about the music. Let's do boy. Definitely what, you know, we, we, we like to think we came up with the term, Funkabilly, back when we were covering 1999 Super Deluxe Edition. Mm-hmm. We might have thought of it, but we weren't the first. No. Uh, but that's what I would call this Yeah, from the beginning. Well, and it's got a little bit of, it's bouncy yep. and it does have a 70s sound to it. Yep. In a very classic sort of way. Yeah, it's almost stripped of the hallmarks of 
Prince's own music, mm-hmm. you know, where this almost sounds like a, let me get the idea down and I'll come back to it later. Mm-hmm. That's how it sounds to me with live drums and guitars and synthesizers, uh, kind of repeating synthesizers at times that mm-hmm. have a little bit of still, again, I think a 1999 kind of feel, but not to the point where you think, oh, this is Prince music. You know, if you just played the first few seconds of the song and didn't include any of the lyrics Mm -hmm. or singing, I think even Prince fans would have a hard time saying, that's a Prince song, Mm. you know? Okay. It definitely lacks the, what I would say is the lead line from the album version, the la, 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 you know, is not part of this at all, which is crazy. That's like the defining, I don't know, sound of the album version to me, Um, but this is good proof that... The song works without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Uh, the way he delivers some of the lyrics is particularly charming. He says, A-way. It was only last June when her old man ran away. Not yes. just away. Uh-huh. She went away. Yes. It was A-way. Uh-huh. And later he says, the way. Yep. He left her with a baby and another one on the way. And it's just very charming the way he uses his diction to emphasize those words. I have the very same notes about, and you say diction, mine are enunciation. Oh, like, there was you he go. getting, was someone like encouraging him to be a little more intentional about <laughs> delivering the lyrics? You know, because this would have been recorded early in his studio career. So. Mm-hmm. While he certainly produced himself, that's not to say that others weren't there to offer advice, but like at 26 seconds, the way he enunciates, it was 1035 on a lonely Friday night. (laughs) It was 1035 on a lonely Friday night. You get every syllable Uh and, you know, every consonant accounted for. Mm -hmm. Nothing gets swallowed up. It's just... The way he sings the album version is definitely a little more relaxed, mm-hmm. you know? Um, right. It's got the same emotion, but not as intentional in its delivery. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. I did miss the way that the album version, he added his own background vocals to verses, like on verse two at a minute mm-hmm. and 27 seconds. It hurt me so bad when she told me with tears in her eyes and we don't have tears in her mm-hmm. eyes yeah. behind it. Right. I want to sing that along with it, of course. Yeah. And then I find out I'm the only one singing and I'm <laughs> ruining it. <laughs> I'm totally ruining it. Yeah, but he still did like some layering of his oh, vocals. Yeah. There's very staggered layering. Really super nice. And now I know he was pretty accomplished at this already in 1979. This was something that he'd done a lot of on his first couple albums. But again, just to hear it, it's so impressive nevertheless. Even though I know he was already good at it. He was still such a young man. Definitely very young. I mm-hmm. mean, yeah, in his early 20s still. Yeah. And even just the, I want to say, like the maturity level with with which this song is written. Mm-hmm. You know, this realization that we could do this, but neither of us would benefit. 
uh-huh. is, uh, I mean, fairly mature, especially for a rock star. Yeah. You know, yeah. who could do probably whatever he wanted in 1979 <laughs> or, or so. Whomever also. he wanted, yes. Who, what, whom, yes, <laughs> whatever he wanted. But to that degree, when this song gets near the end, and it's fairly short at three minutes and 12 seconds, mm-hmm. at um, two minutes and 32 seconds, I thought the song takes on a different meaning there at yeah. the end with his saying and adding on, but I'll try, I'll sure as hell try. Mm-hmm. But I'll try. Yeah, like he was like, oh, well, maybe I, maybe I do want to do this. Right. I could, I can't really do it, but I'd like to give it a go. Yeah, which is a huge change from the album version. And even like the title of the song, "I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man." Not like it could be a possibility <laughs> that I might take the place of your oh man my if gosh, I the, give it good enough effort. The acronym is going to get even longer. That's true. <laughs> yes, because everyone refers to this as. What I C N T T P O Y M. Yes. Now we've got to put on the end of it B I T, but I'll try. (laughs) (laughs) I have another theory about this song. Okay. That it could have also been called I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man, parenthesis, yeah, close parenthesis, because I went back and counted the number of yeahs in this song, (laughs) and I'd like to give them to you. Okay. I feel like I owe this to you. Should I, should I make a guess? Because I didn't count. Oh. I think it's... Yeah, go ahead. 31. <laughs> he shakes his head. How many? No, I would say about half that. Oh, okay. And so not <laughs> I, that not that egregious. Oh, 31 okay. would be like one every 10 seconds. That'd oh, be, that would be a lot. That'd be a lot of yes. So well, I, I don't count know. Them. You put a whole bunch together in one spot. That's true. That could average Which out. he does at the end as exactly. it fades out. He's got a yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You probably have to be double time that to. Yeah. 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 Let me just pile on with more yes. All right, I'm going to give them to you here. The number of yes I counted: forty-nine seconds. A minute, two seconds. A minute, fifty-one seconds. Two minutes, four seconds. Two minutes, seventeen seconds. Two minutes, 33 seconds. Two minutes, 46 seconds. Two minutes, 50 seconds. Two minutes, 53 seconds. And then even more as it fades out to an end. (laughs) I just, on listening to this over and over, I was like, wow, that's a, it was like an early version of, ow. Yeah. The, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Like this little call out to the band, which is all him. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I could never take the place of your man, but I'll try. Parenthesis, yeah, close parenthesis. Book cool. It. Done. Yeah. There was a, also a small change in the chorus. Oh, let's hear it. So in the released version, it's Baby, Don't Waste Your Time. Uh-huh. In this version, it's Baby, Stop Wasting Your Time. Right. Which... I think that was a smart change because yeah. it goes much more smoothly. Yeah, it fits a little easier. Mm-hmm. I did notice that. It yeah. was a but it did help him with his like <laughs> staggered layered lyrics there with the don't waste or yeah, stop, stop wasting, wasting your, your time. time. Yeah. Uh-huh. Cuz does he 
I guess I need to go back and listen to it like a 40th time now. I thought that he sings background over it, don't waste your time. Like it's in there, but it's led with stop wasting your time. Right. I could be wrong. Yeah. Um, but I'll be a maverick and say I'm right. Okay. That's wild. Yeah. Uh, what a cool track, though, to open yeah. this with. I mean, forget trying to fit era-only stuff on here. I don't know. Give me a vault disc, and this is a, an early version of a song that was recorded even earlier than everyone thought and wasn't circulating. Sounds great. Also, mastered beautifully. It does not sound bootleggish or that it's sourced from a you know third-generation tape that they happened to rescue from the snow-flooded floor uh-huh. of the vault in Paisley Park. Right. It sounds very well preserved and here it is and it'll last forever now. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, it is. Then we move on to the next track, the 1985 version of Teacher Teacher. It was intended at one point for Dream Factory, then yep. it was offered along with a bunch of other songs to Paisley Underground alternative band The Three O'Clock. Oh, we talked about this before. In that it's the not, It's not 3 o'clock. It's the 3 o'clock. The 3 o'clock, yes. And we even pulled out the CD, didn't we, to yeah. check it? Yes. And it was that way. Yes. Yeah. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I just had forgotten that we had decided <laughs> that it was the 3 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we actually talked quite a bit about Teacher Teacher and even specifically this version when we did our 1999 coverage. Right, because the 1982 version of Teacher Teacher was on 1999 Super Deluxe Edition. And then here we have the, like you said, 85 version that um, was kind of embellished by Wendy and Lisa mm-hmm. as part of their assignment from Prince between 85, 86 to take a bunch of these songs and add some stuff to them. So mm-hmm. that's what they were up to. And their vocals are very prominent. They are. I almost mm-hmm. was like their lead vocals, mm-hmm. essentially, especially when the song takes off uh, on that first verse. It's Wendy and Lisa seem to have the opening vocals to themselves almost. Mm-hmm. I didn't go back and listen to our take on Teacher Teacher from 1999 Super Deluxe Edition because at this point it seems like that was done 17 years ago. <laughs> yeah. But I do feel pretty confident that you probably described the lyrics as a little squeaky. Uh, yes. Squeaky. Uh, squeaky. Squeaky. Yeah. And just a little uncomfortable with headlines, you know, recently in the last two or three years about teachers having inappropriate relationships with students, so it's hard to blame uh, that on a song that was recorded, you know, a quarter century ago to mm-hmm. place blame, but it's not a comfortable listen to me. No... But it's also interesting in that there's a unusual power dynamic yeah. going on in that there's the teachers obviously in a position of power, but here's this student who's also saying, I don't want to get an A. I don't have Not to. That way. Yeah. I don't want to get an A this way. I don't. I, oh, by the way, I don't deliver. We're going to do this on the phone. Yeah. You know, it's kind of an interesting way of flipping that power dynamic in some interesting ways, though still uncomfortable because not an appropriate relationship. Mm, No, never. Not even like, because this sounds like, I don't know why, but I pictured it being like junior high school or high school. Oh, absolutely high school because they sang so many songs, particularly in like 82-ish. Yeah. That... (laughs) 
were high school related songs. Here are people in their 20s singing yeah. about being in high school. And that was true for Prince. That was true for The Time. Yeah. That was true for Vanity Six. Gosh, David Lee Roth. Yeah, I mean... It just within the Prince camp, that was yeah. something that they did a lot. So I'm sure that's something. That's where I, why we pick up on that, right? Because that was such was a, a prominent theme yeah. in their music as well as in popular music. Sure, that's. Yeah. I mean, I realize David Lee Roth is not in the Prince camp. I'm just. <laughs> <laughs> it was one example that I could think it of. It just came to mind. Yes, yeah. I was only trying to. Yep. Talk about Prince Camp people, but whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely you can hear the Wendy and Lisa influence here and adding, you know, just odd things. And they both mentioned this in the official Prince podcast that the weirder or more unexpected things that they added or instruments that they used or samples that they used, the more pleased Prince seemed to be. You know, Mm -hmm. he was definitely tired of his own sound it seemed like and so he trusted these two to add something that he wouldn't have thought of to Mm -hmm. something he had already recorded right and there's a lot of that going on i really love there's like prince riffing over wendy and lisa singing in the background and then in particularly two little over two minutes in that there's prince in the left channel Mm. You know, kind of riffing over them singing. He's kind of singing the lyrics, but a little off and making some unusual different kinds of sounds. It's so fun and interesting and really the kind of thing that I really wish would have been more prominent in popular music. Oh, this uh, was particularly so, then, I think yeah. it would have really added a lot to a little maturity to the 80s sound. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this was so unpopular that it didn't get released until 2020. <laughs> <laughs> After being worked on, you know, for three straight years, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The uh, I had a similar note from a minute 27 seconds to a minute 37 seconds with Prince vocalizing and not singing lyrics is my favorite part of the track is just after the first chorus and Prince is uh, just kind of making sounds and not singing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe it's just because I'm like, I don't, I'm not completely a giant fan of this song to begin with. So hearing something different yeah, in the middle of fun. it is like, Oh, a distraction. <laughs> Is that a barbershop pole spinning over there? <laughs> Let me go look at that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we've talked about the song at length. Like I said, not not my favorite unreleased track by any stretch of the yeah. imagination. Yeah. Then we have All My Dreams. We get two very short tracks followed by an epically long one. Mm-hmm. Although We're, it seems way shorter than seven minutes and yeah. 24 seconds. Yes, it does. April 1985 is when it was recorded. The same day as Kiss. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm. Because do they sound like anything alike? Not really. Not at all. It was slated for Parade yep. and then Dream Factory and then the yep. aborted Roadhouse Garden. 
It yep. was sampled in the Crystal Ball track, Acknowledge Me. And to me, this sounds like a song from Parade. Oh, I would say this is probably one of the top five tracks I was looking forward to getting officially on this set, even though it was already circulating in great quality. I just mm-hmm. was like, I've acquired this so many times over the years, I'm ready to probably officially pay for it. It's mm-hmm. probably time, and I would like, and the fact that it got a true remaster and the care of a release track I was excited for. Mm-hmm. Um, I do struggle with it being included on Sign of the Times Super Deluxe because... I've always associated it as a parade era recording, mm-hmm. which it initially was. And, you know, part of that's my own fault for looking for bootlegs and finding them and, you know, uh-huh. listening to them as much as the release material. But after, you know, reading the history of it, and like you said, it was, yes, it was included on a configuration, an early configuration of parade, then removed. But then uh, the fact that it was included on Dream Factory. Uh, mm-hmm. or a configuration of Dream Factory, you know, that it was considered for that album kind of puts it in a gray area, I guess, a little bit. But it, it could have been easily on Parade Super Deluxe mm-hmm. in 2027 well, or whenever that Well, and who knows, maybe there'll be, uh, maybe there's a different version of it that we'll get at that time. Again, I'm I'm totally fine with put this here because what if we never get a Parade Super Deluxe? Yeah, and I mean, I'm not complaining about whatever it is, four discs of vault material. Either Mm -hmm. they had the space to fill and anything that, you know, was kind of like, yeah, it kind of makes sense here. Mm -hmm. And like you said, who knows when we'll get around to this other era. Right. If ever. So, hey, I'm all for it being in here. I I think after every note I made, I have written, I'm not complaining. (laughs) Which sounds like something someone would say who was doing a lot of complaining. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. This is one of Prince's most brilliantly weird recordings, and the fact that it's 100% Prince, Wendy, and Lisa deserves a release yeah. on its own. Just yeah. put in here. It's So it starts off, and it's got this like kind of sample yep. And I was trying to figure out what they said. Okay. So I came up with... This is your own listening to what this like underwater sounding kind of sample is? Uh Uh-huh. It's all or installed. And then I was listening to it again. And I was like, maybe it's liftoff. Well, that would make sense. That makes a lot more sense, especially for my next note, which is... He sounds like he's on a PA system. My spirit's in flight. Yeah. And it kind of sounds like a dreamy international lover. Oh, a little bit. Well, those are all good theories and good thinking. But I found where the sample is from. Oh, And I had never realized it before and realized, too, that it appears in other Prince songs, too. So what's being said is bizarre. Oh. And like repeating underneath itself. Bizarre, 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 this kind of thing. Oh. Originally from Our Bizarre Relationship by Frank Zappa. 
Bizarre. Bizarre. <laughs> no one could ever understand our bizarre relationship. Band The Mothers of Invention and the album Uncle Meat, which I've never heard of once in my life from 1969. Mm, no. It was also a preset on the Fairlight CMI sample synthesizer, uh, so Prince was able to get it from there. So it's used, utilized a ton in this era also. It's in All My Dreams. It's actually in Bob George. Oh. Wow. Ain't that a bitch? It's in Christopher Tracy's Parade, the lead track on, on Parade, under the Cherry Moon soundtrack. It's in the song Love Sexy. And it's in Madhouse 9. And a remix of Madhouse 6 called The End of the World Mix. They all contain that same sample. But the way that you just described Prince sounding like he's on a PA system, I was trying to put that into words too and to me it was like kind of old manish mm. you know like i'll see you tonight in all my dreams <laughs> oh no it sounds yeah, with it, like because his s's are kind of s-h's yeah you know my dreams <laughs> kind of whistly I can, I can hear that but see and i kind of attributed that to like a 50s airplane ride 50s oh, okay. or 60s sort of airplane ride yeah. You know, it's kind of yeah. tinny and, yep. but also still a little glamorous. Yes. Yes. Very know, Back like when people dressed world to fly. Put your hat on. <laughs> We're going on a plane. <laughs> Speaking of transportation, transportation methods, it has this like repeating train sound effect, I would say, at the very beginning, the squeaky kind of noise at the very okay. beginning of the track, which I had not really noticed until... Super deluxe edition, or it might have been cut off on bootlegs that were circulating too, as because it almost sounds like a mistake or like a tape issue oh. or something like that. Yeah. But then we get a train later. You do, yes. Lots of train references here. Yeah. <laughs> get there yeah so when this song starts too, just the drums mm-hmm. it's like now this sounds like something to me what does it sound like and it's shortberry straw cake from sheila e's album the glamorous life it has a very similar drum sound back and listen to it and I'm like yeah I can kind of sing all my dreams in huh. shortberry straw cake and, but I can't do it the opposite because there are no lyrics to shortberry straw cake <laughs> except, some, except some backwards ones which also makes me think of this song because it's uh-huh. got all these odd weird which like today seem a little silly or like what do you really need to run lyrics backwards but this was still kind of a newish kind of thing Oh, yeah. I would say. Yeah. And then, of course, we have uh, an actual form of transportation spoken earlier. Uh-huh. Submarine, which is a euphemism 
Uh, yeah. Swimming in, through the Virgin Sea. Con- also conquering a euf- the conquering, Virgin Sea. Yeah. Yes. Which is also a euphemism, but maybe a little less so. A Yeah. Oh, that's a little more um, clear, right? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But then followed up with a child is born. Will you marry me? All about sex and relationships and marriage. Uh This is where his dreams start. Yeah. I yeah. And I thought it was weird that his dreams would start only asking her to marry him after the baby is born. Mm. A child is born. that i hadn't thought about oh the baby's here and it's clearly mine yeah Um, now will you marry me hmm which i thought was kind of interesting yep well in his dreams he's got nine months to still gallivant around and have a good time (laughs) before he needs to settle down i guess so i guess so but listening to this like two minutes in i was like the music it's just it's so full and rich and that it's a vault track that's so complete. Yep. Makes me just really marvel at both his musical genius yep. and his work ethic. And just the uh, willingness to do something so weird yeah. and different. And like, we don't need to make another Little Red Corvette or... I mean, this is like way out in left field, right? As far as... But it had to have been super fun to oh, make. yeah. How about... Africa, there's a laundry list here, right? <laughs> Things, Prince's interests. Africa, Captain Crunch, Norma Jean, Marilyn sex. Monroe. Uh-huh. Do you think? Okay, Norma Jean, Sex and Cheerios. Six items, so one thirty three point three percent of his thoughts are cereal. <laughs> and Captain Crunch would live on for many years as a prince favorite. Uh-huh. And joint joint. You don't even know what kind of cereal I like. Wrong. Captain Crunch with soy milk. On Emancipation uh-huh. gets a Captain Crunch mention. So that's what I was going to ask you was Norma Jean. There are a number of things that that could refer to. But yes, Marilyn Monroe being one of them. So that's where you were thinking? Oh, absolutely. Oh. Especially because I was listening to... Oh, I know what it was. Your appearance. You were talking with Jason Brenninger yeah. on... His podcast, Press Rewind, about hello. Yeah. And one of the things that was fabricated and sold to a tabloid was that Prince had a big, weird-looking mansion and gigantic murals of Marilyn Monroe all over it. Yeah, which was not true. Right. It wasn't true. But to me... While it's not true, it was probably rooted in truth a little bit in that he liked Marilyn Monroe. Well, he liked old movies and pretty mm-hmm. ladies, so yes. those, she's got both it of those. It makes sense. Yeah. Right. I also thought Norma Jean could have been the solo album 
by American R&B singer Norma Jean Wright, okay. which was released in 1978. Uh, her album was produced in part by Nile Rodgers of the band Cheek. Um, and Nile Rodgers worked a little bit with Prince. Oh. So there are some connections there, too. Maybe that's why he went with Norma Jean and not Marilyn Monroe. Maybe Because it could, could mean be either. multiple things. Yeah. So instead of a six-thing list, it's a longer list than it Ooh, appears. It's like six and three quarters. Well, that's just part of the stream of consciousness that is all my dreams. Mm-hmm. And are those Cheerios original or Honey Nut? I think he would have specified if he wanted... You know, he could have fit that in. Africa, Captain Crunch, Norma Jean, Sex, and Honey Nut Cheerios. <laughs> that rolls off the tongue, man. Just like a Cheerio would if you opened your mouth while you were chewing. <laughs> so then we get the regal fanfare going on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And Prince tells you, play my record double speed and feel the, feel the climax fit for a king. Just fun. Nothing ethereal. He's not thinking real hard about this. Yeah. He's just having fun. Uh-huh. But he tells you that you're going to have to double the speed of the record to <laughs> hear him. <laughs> yes, because then he goes into this slowed down, very deep voice. The king's voice. Do you say that it's reminiscent of what was done in the Rainbow Children? Yes, like I would. Exactly. Yes, I would. To all his good brothers, the wise one spoke highly of his muse. And with similar sorts of themes True. that. They often talked in the Rainbow Children about it being uh, a princess and her kingdom, yeah. and this yeah. is sort of a similar sort of theme. Yeah, told from a third third person perspective. Mm-hmm. In this deep voice, yep. with a grand fairy tale, fantastical sorts of yes. situation. Uh, like fairy tale and sexual, and uh-huh. you know, like he caressed her. In her eyes and licked her abdomen. She shivered with delight over and over. She nibbled his ear. You'd think it was wrong to have so much fun. He held her tightly until it almost hurt, but his hips, they moved so slowly, she wanted to stop breathing. Uh huh. That sounds like it could have been lifted from one of the 78 segues on uh-huh. the Rainbow Children. Exactly. But there is no disdain for this song, and there's tons of it for. On behalf of many people on the Rainbow Children. It's very, what's the word I'm thinking of? Something that has very much split opinion among many people. Divisive? It's... That is a word, but not the word I'm looking for. Anyway, it's a more, the Rainbow Children is much more of a lightning rod than anything here. That's fair. And people will say it's because I hate the Darth Vader voice. But it's really about the religion than anything else. It and absolutely I thought this is. definitely proved that to me that I listen to this and I'm like, Oh, this is so fun. And so, uh, you know, like I said, stream of consciousness and free flowing. And then you think the rainbow children is, it's so dogmatic and it's so, 
It's more polarizing is the word I was looking for. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting that this has so many similarities, but never gets compared. Huh. I don't know if any other Prince songs that had similar aspects that don't get you lumped know, into the same category yeah, put up against one another huh. for, you know, pros and cons. You mentioned uh, he caressed her in her eyes. Yeah, I'm don't like, touch did my he eyes. did he show her something or are things really, really kinky? I don't know. Because I've got this thing about stuff getting close to my eyes. I'm like Rachel Green level from Friends. Yeah. About, I mean, I will put drops in my eyes, but I don't want fingers anywhere near my eyes. Yeah. Another or, reason why you won't have contacts. Correct. Yeah. No way. That's that's insane. So you mentioned the reappearance of a train at four minutes and six seconds. Mm-hmm. Wendy says, Lisa, I'm going to give you the brush and you're going to paint the side of the train. Lisa, I'm going to give you the brush and you're going to paint the side of the train. To me, it was like, wow, it's a reincarnation of Computer Blue. Wendy? Yes, Lisa. Is the water warm enough? Yes, Lisa. Shall we begin? Yes, Lisa. Uh-huh. Except it's Lisa giving the instructions in Computer Blue, Blue. and here uh-huh. it's Wendy giving the instructions. Uh-huh. And I'm like, well, that's also something that I never really thought to compare was the Wendy-Lisa intro in Computer Blue and the Lisa-Wendy interlude in All My Dreams. But they are very, very similar. They are very similar. Only one has got bath water and this one has artistic supplies. <laughs> And we do hear a train. Yes, we do. A little bit later. And then we get Prince's unaltered voice again. Yeah, five minutes and 19 seconds. Mm-hmm. Marry me today and tonight we'll make love until the world stops. Which it was nice. And he then he uses these la-la-las to kind of act like a... Another instrument, but it's his vocals, which yes. is the thing we love. Yeah. We always love it when Prince uses yeah. words or vocalizations to sound like another instrument. Yep, which he's great at. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's not beatboxing. That's, I mean, sometimes it is, but it's just singing noises to become mm-hmm. not a voice anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his normal voice when he says, marry me today and tonight we'll make love until the world stops turning. I thought that was very Christopher Tracy also, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. one of those kinds of moments from Parade when he's just like throws his heart into everything that he does, you know, caution to the wind and I'm wide open for you mm-hmm. kind of romance. Well, that's interesting too because it begs the question is that... A long time until the world stops turning, mm-hmm. or is it apocalyptic? He goes either way. Yep. There, it could be like for eternity, or until war kills us all. Uh huh. But it's like until then, I'm going to keep having my dreams, and I'm going to dance and mm-hmm. have a party, right? And have a good time. Yep. And then it ends with this like dear little poem, all on its own, like the just this little like outro. Mm-hmm. bit is 
kind of its own sweet little poem. Goodness will guide us if love is inside us. The colors are brighter. The bond is much tighter. You know, no child's a failure until the blue sailboat sails him away from his dreams. Don't ever lose. Don't ever lose. Don't ever lose your dreams. Another line that uh, was in Christopher Tracy's parade is goodness will guide us if love is inside us. Mm -hmm. There too. So there's that poem, but even further back when Wendy... And Lisa are whispering. Mm-hmm. I read that the whispered lyrics in this bridge segment before the song returns to that final verse you were just talking about contains one of the morning verses by Rudolf Steiner, which was used in Waldorf Steiner schools, which both Wendy and Lisa attended in Northridge, California. Oh. So when they're whispering, I'm dreaming of a world, then when you can really hear it is, we're in. There shines the sun, wherein there gleam the stars, wherein there lie the stories, gentle but quickly. So I thought that was kind of cool too. There's all these, like, it's almost like Prince begging them to throw in as many, like, something specific from your childhood or, you know, just let's make it part of the the story very cool what a wild song yep now we have can i play with you featuring miles davis how cool is that very cool he makes a couple of appearances on this super deluxe edition Mm -hmm. here and then on the live dvd Mm -hmm. yes miles davis was keeping an eye on prince i'm sure prince was touched by that Miles Davis being such a big influence. Yep. Prince's portion was recorded the day after Christmas of 1985. That's right. And then in January of 1986, it was sent to Miles Davis with a note stating that Prince trusted Davis's musical instincts and to do whatever he wanted. They did not perform this together, which I think you can totally tell. Eric Leeds said that he believed that Prince and Miles Davis had only performed together on New Year's Eve 1987. Right. Yes. Yeah. In the same, on the same stage or in the same studio. Yes. Boy, again, highly recommend you listen to the official Prince podcast, the series they did on Sign of the Times, Super Deluxe. Levi Caesar Jr. talks about Miles Davis showing up at rehearsal mm-hmm. and kind of sitting next to him. And he was playing and Miles kind of starts playing with him and tells him, uh, did you know that there are no wrong notes on the piano? Just keep playing. There's no mistakes. It's kind of a cool story about how all that came together. Mm-hmm. And despite how cool... All of it is. Neither Prince nor Miles Davis were satisfied with the result. And this was planned to be included on Miles Davis' first Warner Brothers album. Right. And they decided not to include it. Yeah, it's one of the rare times that you kind of read a story about a record company requesting Prince do something and him being excited about it because they were both then Warner Brothers artists. Mm Mm-hmm. And then it not working, the both of them feeling like, you know, this is just, just not, it's just not working. So 
Mm-hmm. We finished it, but we put it aside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where you said that you felt like you can totally tell. I'm sure you've got some elaborations on that <laughs> as far as like how you can tell they weren't together. But to me, um, I couldn't, I don't know that I would say I can tell they're not together, but I can tell that they were both trying maybe a little too hard or yes. wanting it to be something that it just wasn't quite being. So I don't know if you have thoughts on your, you can tell well that they weren't together. Yes. The horns have kind of an odd quality to them. Yeah. You can clearly hear them, but I want to call them muffled. Okay. They're not muffled because they're clear, but they're not as loud Mm-hmm. as you might expect them to be, but any louder, and they might have been too loud. Maybe some of that, too, was the kind of overall thin sounds of the drums. This sounds okay. like I was surprised to see that this wasn't recorded closer to the time of Rebirth of the Flesh, because it has kind of similar drum, like a similar drum kit sound to me. Um, and I, the only way I can really describe it is a little thin, but it's very reminiscent of 85, 86 Prince drum sounds too. Mm-hmm. And we also know from Prince's other collaborations with artists that he respects and knows are talented that he did have a tendency to whether it was conscious or not, to kind of bury them a little bit in some form or fashion, whether it be Ani DeFranco and on um, Mm -hmm. I Love You But I Don't Trust You Anymore um, or Sheryl Crow on Baby Nose kind of gets a little buried. Now this is a decade later after this was recorded, but it wasn't an uncommon thing. Well, and I kind of wonder too... And I I have thoughts about this on another track that we're going to talk about today. If maybe he had some idea of what he wanted, but wasn't comfortable enough telling Miles Davis what what he wanted. Sure. Or that he had an idea what he wanted, but wasn't able to articulate it or wasn't quite satisfied with what he'd come up with and wanted to see if Miles could do something better. The whole track felt too cluttered to have Miles Davis put stuff over top of it. There wasn't, especially early on in the track, there's not a lot of space for Miles Davis to come in and shine. Yep. And so I don't know if it's that Prince was trying really hard. He was honored to be working with a, somebody he admired. Yeah. And he was trying his best to impress him. Therefore, didn't end up leaving room for him. All or, possible because yeah. it is a chaotic, especially opening. And But then it also goes into this very contrasting, quiet, deliberate chorus that, hey, baby, can I talk? To you, and mm-hmm. it's much slower and more deliberate in this chorus. And then is a chaotic kind of musical mess, you know, for the rest of the verses. Right. I also could see. 
Prince wanting the story to be, it all just worked between us. We didn't really even have to talk and it all came together. I don't think that he envisioned the story being, well, this was a lot of work and uh, there were things I was doing that didn't fit what Miles was doing and vice versa. And we had to do a lot of re-recording and it was, you know, you don't hear that coming from Prince at all, like ever, that this was tough. You know, yeah. like I work so hard that it's all easy, but because of the distance and because of, I don't know, mutual respect and trying to stay out of each other's way, maybe mm-hmm. is what made this hard. Prince mentions the ball. He which does is- in verse one. which is probably a reference to the song that was paired with joy and repetition on a configuration of crystal ball. And we'll talk about that song in episodes coming up. Forthcoming forth Mm -hmm. with (laughs) that said, all of these things that kind of maybe sound a little bit like complaints. I mean, there's some really stellar guitar here. Yes, there is. Yeah. Um, yeah. And here I have, look at my notes here. It says, I'm not complaining. <laughs> <laughs> Minute 56, a cacophony of drums and synths and sax and trumpet and guitar. There are moments of chaos that sound glorious in this. said there are others that just sound crowded and i know that's like well well, you're trying to tell prince what's the difference between chaotic and 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 crowded and perfect well obviously he didn't think it was perfect because the song never got released you're right i'm not arguing with you (laughs) you're arguing with the nameless rabble that uh, that uh, anonymous guy sitting over there in the corner (laughs) what are you looking at yeah you mentioned Guitar parts, like from 247 to 306, there's a really nice instrumental part with rhythm guitar and some structure to it, too, that I think the song lacks in other places. Like, I would think that the instrumental parts would be the parts that would be more free-flowing and sound a little more chaotic, and the more structured parts would be in the verses and the chorus, and it's almost... The opposite of that. I absolutely agree. There's these high and then deep horns that are structured but very interesting and fun. Yeah, and And because they're in these instrumental parts, they almost are easy to overlook because... All the parts with vocals and lyrics are so contrastly different. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, maybe doing something wild and different was also part of the plan, too, but could contribute to why it didn't initially work. Um, I thought there was a little bit of erotic city and la la la, he 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 mm-hmm. guitar work going on from four minutes and 13 seconds to four minutes, 33 seconds. <laughs> With a trumpet over all of it that was really successful. Mm-hmm. So yes. There's like 20 seconds of perfection in there uh, among all the chaos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gives it a little bit jazzy and there's yep. these plucky guitars and it's... 
it's so much fun. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of wish there was some of that fun and joy in the choruses. Now, the choruses are full of dirty joy. Right. It's all very, can I play with you? You think it's going to be a song about like playing with Miles Davis? And no, he's... Yeah. Wants to play with somebody's parts. Right. I yeah. mean, I think that was part of maybe a little juvenile to the, you know, playing with Miles Davis and playing with a partner mm-hmm. maybe fell a little flat, too. Yeah. That's um, fair. It does get fairly overt near the end yeah, with yeah. The <laughs> F me any way you want to. I could be softer up. <laughs> that's how I, that's what I heard at five minutes and 43 seconds. Okay. I could be softer up. He's ready for some sexual play. Uh huh. I'll make you scream and shout. Yeah. I did think too that there were some a chaotic ending and some nice print screams, which I know we always appreciated it from like six thirteen to six twenty seven at the very end. Definitely some great screaming. There's a uh, bootleg versions of the song, which I'm sure were just unfinished, but there are, I missed it in this version. Um, Miles Davis and Parts kind of whispers, Prince, this is Prince, <laughs> which is even weirder. But um, I'd heard this many times before, and it's not part of this. So I wonder huh. how much more work they did on the song after those circulating recordings were made. Mm-hmm very interesting it is interesting but yeah that was my final note was just feels like maybe they were both trying too hard they were trying to make it work and for a variety of weird and chaotic and obvious reasons it just (laughs) didn't not that it's a bad song or that it's not fun to listen to because it is this what this is about right vault tracks that didn't if they fit or worked great they would have been on the album Mm -hmm. right um, but this is where the song belongs, I think, is, you know, it's a cool insight into this era. But it was never intended for any of these projects either. So it was because of their chronological walls they put around this, it makes sense to put it here. But was it ever considered for a project? Like yeah. The answer is no. Well, it was considered for Miles Davis's yeah. project, yeah, not, not a Prince project. Yeah, not a Sign of the Times era Prince R- project. Right, yeah. exactly. That's maybe why it has a bit of a disparity in sound. Yep. Yeah. All right, and then we have Wonderful Day, sometimes called It's a Wonderful Day. Yeah. Recorded in January of 1986. Likely inspired by a scene that was cut from Under the Cherry Moon, where Prince tells the Venus de Milo, it's a wonderful day. Yep. It was intended for Dream Factory. Susan Rogers wasn't convinced that this was ever actually intended to be the song in the position, but was rather a placeholder. Yep. On that configuration for something similar. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Like mm-hmm. imagining Prince putting, you know, this album together and, well, I don't know quite what will go here, but here's something like what will go here. Uh huh. Which is super cool. Yeah. And an instrumental version uh-huh. was in Under the Cherry Moon. 
which I never connected before. I yeah. read that also in Prince Vault. I'm like, oh, that's where I've heard this outside of bootlegs before. Yeah, it was instrumental background music when Christopher Tracy and Tricky Prince mm-hmm. and Jerome are arguing. Yep. Now, I even thought this was a bit of a throwaway until giving it some really focused attention, studying it for this podcast. And now I feel like this it's this delightfully funny and quirky and funky track like the yin to it's gonna be a beautiful night's yang Mm -hmm. it's a wonderful day and then we get it's gonna be a beautiful night and i think it's a great example of prince's piano playing on a studio track too Mm -hmm. yeah this had been circulating also this was not a new listen i'm sure for many prince followers but when I went back to listen to it just yesterday, and the first eight seconds have this very dated but fun and funky kind of drum intro. Mm-hmm. It hit me where I kind of connected this. It reminded me of Herbie Hancock's Rocket. The oh. video with the creepy robots from uh-huh. 1983. It sounds an awful lot like Wonderful Day or It's a Wonderful Day. Huh. I expected to read somewhere that, you know, Prince had heard the song, seen the video, and it was fairly ahead of its time with all mm-hmm. these basically like crummy Disney animatronics <laughs> in the video for Rocket, um, but could not find anyone referencing it anywhere. So maybe it is just me, but I thought It's a Wonderful Day and Rocket are like connected at the hip. Huh. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And it's got this like staccato delivery mm-hmm. of the lyrics, which very is fast, super very fast. fast, super fun. September can make up your mind. And then, you know, Prince loved his old movies, so we get which yellow brick road to take, yep. which is obviously a Wizard of Oz reference. For sure. I mean, he sings it, it's staccato, like you said, and it's almost spoken word, but it's also falsetto. Uh-huh. And there's all this chaos going on behind it, but it's not as, I don't know, dissonant as, can I play with you? Like, uh-huh. it actually works. Uh-huh. But it does take, it takes, it took me some commitment to say, to like let go and not say, it sounds kind of so dated and unprince-like uh-huh. in many ways, but to just let that go and say like, I can, I can take this in and I can uh, appreciate it. It's no. sweet. I don't know. That was my, I don't know, kind of revelation revisiting this track and mm-hmm. listening to it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm. Probably helps some. Yeah, well, and maybe because I'm not coming at it from having listened to a bunch of bootlegs of this song. Yeah. I'm coming at it fresh, Mm -hmm. and I didn't didn't have to come around on this song at all. You just were around on it? Yeah, I was just around. I thought this was very, that lyrically, a a lot of fun. Everybody makes suggestions, but the words don't rhyme. Right. Everybody makes suggestions, but the words don't rhyme. It's life and it's songwriting and rhyming words are sometimes the most suitable, but it has to be at the discretion of the author Yeah, and we're our own authors. Yeah. So other people can make suggestions, Mm -hmm. but if the words don't rhyme and it doesn't fit, then 
you have to make that choice for yourself. Right. I saw it that way. I also saw it as, well, your opinions about my songs and the type of music I make don't matter because that's not what you do. You're not a creator. You're a consumer. Mm -hmm. Um, So you've got the right to not like it, but you don't have the same privilege when it comes to instructing me on what to do because... Like Prince said, you never would have drank my coffee if I had never served you cream. Uh-huh. Well, and that was going to be actually my next point. The stakes in songwriting are relatively low unless it's your life. True. It's easy for others to make suggestions for songs, but they aren't the people who aren't going to be remembered by those songs. It's going to be Prince. The decisions they don't have to live by are easy ones to make. Yep. He's got to live by these songs, and it may seem like it's no big deal and trite, but this is how he's going to be remembered, and he's really aware of that in this song. Yeah. And it's such a fun, like, silly song, but with this kind of really deep insight into... I think even more profound now because, yeah, the decisions they don't have to live by are easy ones to make. And now here, this song is now being officially released and heard after his life is over. So it's actually even longer than things you have to live by. It's things that's your legacy. Right. And that's playing out here. And here we are, two people reviewing songs. (laughs) And that, folks, is the end of our podcast. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) No, we're allowed to do that. We're allowed to make observations and dig into it a little bit. Yeah, we are. But we're not telling him how to do it. We never did. True. He wouldn't have listened anyway. That's true. (laughs) I think even words like nevertheless in a Prince song is kind of unexpected. And I'm like, what possessed this man? I mean, you didn't hear nevertheless in, you know... Anything from Purple Rain or even Parade, which is this kind of quirky, more sophisticated, goofy humor. Uh But here we have, like, uh, Nevertheless, It's a Wonderful Day, Baby. Nevertheless, it's a wonderful day, baby. Oh, I'm like, nevertheless. That does not seem like a common word to be Hmm. used in speaking or certainly, like, intentional songwriting. It just struck me as, like, Hmm. wow, that's interesting. Why can't they love me for what I am instead of what they want me to be? Mm-hmm. Why can't they love me for what I am instead of what they want me to be? I'm too young to play my mind up to all fantasies. Well, isn't that what we all want? And isn't it particularly difficult for people with a certain amount of fame to yeah. find people who... And Prince sung about this many times. Tons. Yeah, she loves me for me. This yeah. is something he's looking for. He wants somebody to just love him for who he is. But at the same time, making his career about being very mysterious and uh-huh. wanting people to wonder, who are you? I mean, do you think he was all that upset about um, being thought to have a giant mansion with Marilyn Monroe portraits? I mean, that's he probably smiled about that. Uh-huh. Like, oh, I've got, this is working perfect. Because uh-huh. I can make this last forever. I can make people make up stories for me. I don't even have to do the work. Yeah, I don't even have to tell anybody the truth. Nobody has to really know. Yeah. Except who I want to know. Yep. And it's all playing out for me. It's like, it's uptown being built <laughs> for Prince and he didn't yep. have to lift a finger. Um, I thought at a minute and 10 seconds, 
There are some background shashas and wonderful day falsetto singing that is just super cool. And it's frustrating because it's right there. There's nothing hiding these background vocals, but they do kind of go. They fly under the radar somehow, or they did for me, until I really started listening to this song a lot for this podcast. Mm-hmm. We get some Prince saying, bop, bop, bop. Yes. Which is just A+. Plus. Yeah. A minute and Love 36 it. seconds, I think, is what you're t- referring to. Like, no one can make mouth, so- mouth sounds like Prince, where he's doing like, bop, 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 bop. Uh-huh. And like super fast uh-huh. and really fun. And again, like not trying to sing anything, but like becoming an instrument again. Right. Well, and he does that again at like two minutes, 10 seconds. He does the scatting that's yeah. so fun and interesting. Nonsensical, but perfect. Yeah. Perfectly nonsensical. Yes. I mentioned like a great example of Prince's piano playing. At two minutes and 50 seconds, there are these piano chords going on in the background. That... Again, you could fly right by and not hear it. You almost hear it like a bass, but uh-huh. it is uh, just this really... Um, forcefully played piano repeating part that mm-hmm. um, you don't really hear all that much in Prince songs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's in the middle of it. It's kind of devolved into drumming and synth- synthesizers and Prince riffing and guitars and piano, and it's all just this big, wonderful mess. Yeah. Put it in writing how I summed up just like coming around to the song that just like in the last five or so listens, and I probably listened to it 50 times in my life already. I only now just appreciate all of it that the like the fast delivery of the lyrics, like you described, almost rapping but not the instrumentation, the bass line, the piano, the fun and dance worthy outro where um, he's saying, Everybody get up on the one, Papa, want to have some fun. It's mm-hmm. just this, it takes another direction that's unexpected it's an outtake that i definitely fell in love with like for the first time ever i've heard it for a long time but fell in love with it uh listening to it as part of this set mm-hmm. all right and then we have strange relationship parentheses original version not though it's entitled the original version yep wendy and lisa did overdubs on this one But we actually know that it dates back at least to 1983 in a version that remains unreleased. Right. And a version that was released on piano and a microphone in 1983, Mm -hmm. which we've covered already. So we know the song existed then because he kind of noodles his way through it. So, yeah, like you said, even though this is labeled original version, there's a studio version that predates the Wendy and Lisa overdubbing, which Mm -hmm. we have here that is... Not released still. Exactly. So I don't know if you call that the pre-original version? Original? (laughs) 
Fine, though. I mean, I don't, I don't know that we'll... Is this a sign that we won't ever get the other one? I think maybe it is. I think so, too. Yeah. Boy, but um, yeah, this one is longer, too, than the album version. It's mm-hmm. six minutes and 42 seconds compared to just over four minutes on the album version. And mm-hmm. Wendy and Lisa's contributions, the sitars and the strings and a more of a driving beat and not a Camille effect on Prince's vocal uh, on this take also congas and wooden flutes and Mm -hmm. again the weirder the better yeah yeah Yeah. well and i mean the sitar is probably the thing i noticed because it's right up at the beginning Yeah, yeah you hear it a lot And I always associate that more with the Love Symbol album, though it had mm. some appearances in Around the World in a Day Yeah, on that album, because that was supposed to be like a worldly album. Right. It's interesting to realize how far back his interest in unusual mm-hmm. instruments goes. He's looking for weird stuff and weird chords and... Just something different. Mm -hmm. And that is hard to do as an individual. I got to give him credit. Right. For that to send these two women off to. Yeah, go do uh, something. Yeah, I did what I could with this, make it different and better. Mm hmm. Yeah. There's a small lyrical change in Mm -hmm. verse three. So the album version ended up being I'll take all the blame, yo, baby. I'm sorry. Right. This version says, I'll take all the blame, but I'm only human. Interesting that he changed only human to I'm sorry. Yeah. Neither of which are things we hear Prince say a lot in any of his music. Right. Uh, he's basically otherworldly. Therefore, I mean, maybe partly human. <laughs> and uh, apologies are not a centerpiece of the man's repertoire. Right. Taking yeah. the blame, not a thing he does mm, very much. Right, right. How about from 3 minutes and 21 seconds to 3 minutes and 39 seconds when uh, the do 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 comes in and has all kinds of these crazy sounds going on behind it like uh, that are not in the album version at all that kind of got buried or taken out altogether and then from three minutes and 51 seconds to four minutes 11 seconds there's this high-pitched rhythm guitar and growling bass or almost scratching going on behind it that mm-hmm. um is also like kind of buried in the release version that i thought was like super cool to hear mm-hmm Yep, and there's some little bells yeah, during that part like hands, too. Finger symbols. Uh huh. And yeah. it kind of gives it a lightness. Yep. Which was endearing and a little weird. Yeah. 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 Yep. And there's, uh, is that a didgeridoo that I hear at like four minutes and 50 seconds? Maybe. There's like a whining instrument that goes on for like a long time. And I'm Could like, it kind of sounds like a didgeridoo, which would make perfect sense. Yeah, it would with fit in all because of it was the, so weird. Yeah, all of the other interesting mm-hmm. instruments. Yep. 
that's kind of like where the album version fades out at four minutes and 42 seconds. The yeah, yeahs appear. You yeah. Know, I almost thought, oh, they're going to leave the yeah, yeahs out. Uh, but they are there, and but it's on top of a drum breakdown and sitar and this growling bass again that just gives it a whole different feel altogether. Mm-hmm. Right. I thought a little trim was warranted that was probably a smart move to go a little shorter sure on the album yeah i mean i can appreciate prince wanting to go back and work on this track on his own even shortening it some like you said but there are aspects of this version that are sorely missing from the album version that's that's really wonderful to have here especially like that rhythm guitar part and the really deep growling bass scratching thing you know there's certainly nothing to complain about the album version and it's kind of a quintessential Prince song. This is a perfect vault track to mm-hmm. include an alternate version of, of this song. Right. Awesome. Very cool. Then we have visions an instrumental written and recorded by Lisa at Prince's request as an opening for the dream factory album. Yep. Wendy and Lisa released it in 1990 under the name Minneapolis number one on a limited edition bonus CD with their third album. Royka. Yeah. I went looking for that wondering, Oh, is that on Apple music? It is not, Mm. but there are four copies available on Amazon right now if you want to go get one of oh. that limited edition bonus CD. Oh. 20 bucks. Well, Christmas is coming, so don't go buy it. I did not buy it. I just went to see where it, where it was. <laughs> where, where could you get it? Because I wanted to be able to tell people you can, you can acquire it. The piano in this. Mm-hmm. I know it's just because of when it was recorded that it's in this position, but the piano feels so nice and warm after so many songs with synthesizers in them. Oh, you mean it's positioned uh, among all these vault tracks. Right, among all these vault tracks. I know it's just because of the timing and when it was recorded that it is in this position, but it's such an interesting change Uh from the songs before it and then to have this that feels so like warm and sweet and calming right here in the middle of some things that have been kind of loud and messy and chaotic and in great ways, but also yeah, just, it's a nice change. It's simple, Mm -hmm. which is different. Right. Um, You know, we have rules on our podcast about picking highs and lows and time capsules capsules. So I can respect the rules that they put in place on these vault discs. The Mm -hmm. songs appear in the order in which they were recorded But I think it does do a little disservice to this song in particular, which was specifically meant to be the opening track of Dream Factory to set the mood for the album before all this weirdness and chaos takes off. To appreciate this track more, I think you could make your playlist, move it somewhere else where it feels right, Mm -hmm. which is easy to do. Right. I also thought that this probably had the most noise behind it of all the nine songs that we're covering here, like the most noisy recording. There's a hiss going on behind it. Mm. When it stops, you can hear it fade to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, like it wasn't a perfect recording, and maybe that's intentional too, that it mm-hmm. was a beautiful, simple 
yet imperfect recording that was going to kick off this wildly different album by Prince and the Revolution that never never came together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know what more you can say than it's a beautiful, pretty, simple, short piano piece. Yep. Then we have the ballad Dorothy Parker with horns, Eric Leeds on sax, and uh, they start right away. You hear these horns in there. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, with horns. I mean, the horns almost start before the Uh song starts. It comes in so quick. Yeah. I thought that the part with Prince ordering oh yeah yeah uh-huh is kind of accented by the uh-huh. horns but it's not really improved it's just different yeah and then there's the whole bath bit that have horns uh-huh. and it makes it feel really jazzy yep but I don't think the ballad of Dorothy Parker is a jazz song and so it's kind of we talked about that when we covered the uh, the song itself. It's yeah. like, what genre is this? Yeah. It's, you know, it's technically uh, mishappen. Uh-huh. It's a story song. It's kind of funky. Uh-huh. It's got a drum that sounds like it could have been from Purple Rain, you know, a Lindrum. Right. It has a little bit of jazzy influence, maybe. Yeah, but this was like it pushed it yeah. too far into the jazz direction, mm-hmm. and it just didn't quite work. I remember listening again to the official Prince podcast and Eric Leeds saying how honored he was. He heard the song and that he was honored that Prince thought he could add something more to a track that he felt was already perfect. He's like, well, why? This is done. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, he's like, I'll go and do some work to it, but I feel like it's done. You know, it, it was perfect despite of or because of the recording flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, that we covered when we talked about um, the remastered album. Eric also seemed surprised and pleased that the song was included in the set when he was told, uh-huh. and there's parts of him on the podcast going, oh, oh, really? That's that's going to be on there? Uh-huh. Yeah, like he, he was... Yeah. It's funny, he's included in the podcast, which was an estate sponsored thing but obviously it wasn't called to say <laughs> hey heads up uh-huh. this is coming right i well, think it's really tough to judge this too after you know 30 plus years listening to prince's virgin version which is so i don't know just stellar and basically like ubiquitous if you're a prince fan this is it's not a deep cut but it's a you know it's not a single it's uh but he did play it on the tonight show with jay leno right um, so it's made plenty of public appearances, but um, I think, like you said, probably the best decision to leave the horns off the album version and also the right move to put it here with all the other vault tracks. I absolutely agree. And this is the other song that I wondered if Prince had ideas or thoughts or inklings, kind of like, can I play with you? Hey, horns might really work here, but either he didn't know what those horns should sound like or he didn't wasn't in love with the ideas that he had so rather than impart the ideas that he had he just said hey expert take this and try and do something with it kind of hoping that they'd come up with something better than what he'd already come up with i think it was a hundred percent the right choice to not put it on the album but great to have it here yeah 
There are a couple little parts, like at uh, 55 seconds, a little horn jab after Prince sings Fighting with a Lover's Past that's uh-huh. easy to overlook or underhear, as we <laughs> like to say on this podcast. And from 3 minutes 11 seconds through 3 minutes and, or 4 minutes and 56 seconds into the song, we kind of get a extended instrumental ending compared to the album version, mm-hmm. which if I thought horns worked anywhere and could have been on the album, putting them at the very end might have been a way to extend the song, make the horns work a little bit better and feel right. Because the other thing I wanted to say was, you know, Prince had just come off of the parade tour and horns were this giant part of the expanded revolution. So it makes sense for him to want to work that into more studio tracks and mm-hmm. ask someone like Eric Leeds to do it and know that if he gave him any direction that it might, you know, spoil other original ideas. So not doing that was probably very intentional. Agreed. All right. And now the final song witness for the prosecution. We got a court date with Prince version one. Recorded March 1986 with Wendy, Lisa, Susanna, and Eric adding parts a month later, mm-hmm. but entirely re-recorded in June of 1986. Part of Dream Factory Configurations, then thought to be for Deborah Allen, who uh, ended up recording Telepathy instead, yep. um, and then the abandoned Roadhouse Garden. Did you mention Atlanta Bliss in your instruments, in your players? N- no. Yeah. But yes, he no, was also, yes. The, I know I didn't mention him, but yes, he was there. Yeah. Boy, just the first, this was widely circulating also, but I was also really looking forward to having it officially and with, uh, you know, a real remastered touch to it after mm-hmm. all these years. The first six seconds of that odd repeating conversation kind of noise that happens at the very beginning of this. can also be heard in the Sign of the Times concert film at the very beginning of I Could Never Take the Place of Your oh. Man. Did you know? Question mark. No. True story. So it's another one of those songs that um, is rare in that the chorus leads off the song. Like, mm-hmm. like seven seconds. Yeah. leads it off with a growling bass and these synthesizers and horn stabs. It's got a very different kind of feel than what you think of from a Revolution studio uh, track. And again, this is kind of, you know, a portion of the Revolution. Prince, Wendy, Lisa, um, and then Susanna, Eric, and Atlanta Bliss. Mm -hmm. Obsessive love. It's romantic and a little troubling. Again. Uh Uh-huh. He wants to uh, be close to her because he loves her, but he has to prosecute hate in this love affair uh-huh. uh, maybe it's not a reciprocal affection any longer well um, it ended up in court so there was some kind of dispute <laughs> yeah but i didn't think it was quite as troubling as if i was your girlfriend or strange relationship yeah well this isn't so much about controlling a person either it's about uh you know trying to Eliminate everything but the good feelings from a relationship, but doing it in a very legal manner. Yeah, he's going to litigate the hate right out of this. That's right. Issue. Litigate the hate. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that that approach is kind of clever, and I think this also could have been a hit if it had been on the radio. It's very catching. You know, you can bob your head to it. Mm-hmm. Um, he'd have many other court-related songs between <laughs> this one and I Hate You and Electric Chair mm-hmm. kind of had similar approaches. And I also thought throughout Wendy and Susanna's background chants of witness uh-huh. are all fit it so, so well. It's uh-huh. really, really cool. Yeah. I really like how there's this kind of chorus, and I know it's the ladies, but they almost sound like a group of teenagers. Yeah, kind it's of kind of cheering them on. Yeah, almost. it's fun. Yeah, there were some things that I noticed when I was listening to this that I never really heard in the circulating bootleg. Uh, one of which is at 57 seconds, and then again at a minute. There's like this three-note synthesizer synthesizer line in the background that I'd never really heard before that sounded fresh and new to me, which is super cool. I don't think I ever really appreciated, probably because it is in typical Prince style during this period his electric guitar work kind of gets buried in the mix and Mm -hmm. it does here too from two minutes and 28 seconds to two minutes and 41 seconds i've never i don't know any other rock god who purposely buried his own great work and his own music like Prince did during mm-hmm. this time. Yeah, those guitars are really fun to yeah. listen and pick out. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing that stood out to me was um, three minutes and 33 seconds, his breathy, <sighs> which I'd always heard but never really thought, oh, that's Prince like breathing into a microphone. It was <laughs> just the clarity of it was much more uh-huh. front-facing very to nice. me. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh... While it wasn't quite as troubling as If I Was Your Girlfriend or Strange Relationship, let me tell you, whatever it is that you think I did, you're wrong. I wouldn't even dare. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, oh, it's it's the gaslighter from those songs. It's less troubling. And he's here. This this guy stars in a lot of songs in this era. Yes, the Captain Perfect. That, uh-huh. uh, if you thought I made a mistake, then you must be wrong because I don't make them. <laughs> and let let me try and convince you otherwise. Yeah. My bad behavior isn't bad. That's right. And, yeah. and the reason why is because when we were in school, I traded chairs to sit next to you. Uh-huh. How could I be at well, fault? Well, that makes me wonder, like, did they even really have a relationship? Was yeah, there ever yeah. really a love affair? Right. No, he he's been observed, pining it yeah. for her since the third grade. Right, right. And now he just wants her to care. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. But there That's maybe true. was never even really a relationship. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of interesting. Even just the line, I who am guilty of nothing, but I always want you to be there, be there. Uh-huh. 
I guess if there's any line that reminds me of if I was your girlfriend or that controlling nature is probably that one where uh, I am not at fault and all I want is for you to be there. <laughs> that kind of almost sums up if I was your girlfriend <laughs> in a non-gender contorting way. Mm-hmm. But like you said, because it's also kind of fun, even though it's all about you know, this court thing and right. prosecution, but it is a fun song. It is a fun to. song. Fun. It is fun. Yeah. All right. So we've reached the end. I'm glad we only did nine of the 18 tracks on you this desk. Both. So now it's time for us to make some selections. We choose three things. Every episode, we choose a time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released. So the mid-80s or <laughs> yeah. 2020. Yeah, or 1979. Or 1979. The C, the low point, the thing that we liked the least, and the mountain, the part that we liked the most. Yep. These are my dumb rules. So I go first. So the time capsule for me Wonderful day with its sharp drums and the way the synthesizers mm. are used to make it sound like very classic 80s. Yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Good choice. For me, I couldn't avoid ICNTTPOIM 1979 <laughs> version, mainly because the time of its recording is the most out of place here, though okay. its inclusion I appreciate so much. So I'm like, well, that's. That's sort of the definition of a time capsule, even though this doesn't fit the time of which this era, you know, focuses, it being an outlier almost in a weird way made it my time capsule. I don't know how to explain it. That's just the one I'm putting in a box and I'm burying in the backyard. (laughs) Okay. Which we do, right? So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the C, the low point. Yep. All right. Don't shoot me because I have a reason. Okay. And it's witness for the prosecution. What? What? It's so good. But I think if he'd ended up including it on an album, he might have fleshed out the story a little more. And I want that story. Because really, it's witness for the prosecution. I didn't do anything wrong. Here's how I loved you in grade school. I'm going to prosecute the the hate in this love affair. And there's not more, I think there should be more story to it. And I want that more story. I know there's more story there or more story he could have added to it. And I want it. I want, I want more lyrics to sing. Oh, well, that's fine that you want more of it. There is the different version of the song later on. I don't know that you've had a chance to listen to it yet. So you get to hear a re-recording of it. I don't know that you're desire for more story is going to be satiated by <laughs> version two, but you'll get to listen to it again. What's your low point? Witness for the prosecution. It's is so good. And what I just want more doing? of it. Okay. All right. I, for me, it was easy. I'm like, teacher, teacher, mm-hmm. get it out of here. I, I mean, it doesn't matter which version I listen to, whether it's the 1982 version, the 1985 version, I want to like it and I cannot find a way. Oh, I just ignore the troubling bits. Kind of like uh, if I was your girlfriend. Whole thing's very, very troubling, but I just ignore the troubling stuff and enjoy it. At least they're two adults, and if I was your girlfriend. That's true. All right, and then the mountain, the thing that we like the most. Yep. Wonderful day. 
You gave it to Wonderful Day. I did. It's it was your time so, capsule it, and your mountain. It is both. Double and, honors. But it was super, super tough because I really also loved all my dreams. But I ended up going with Wonderful Day because of its unusual delivery. Uh-huh. And it is very unique fun. and very inspired. That is for yes. sure. Uh, and... Wonderful day was closing in to be my mountain. Maybe if we had recorded this a week later, it could have overcome oh, all my dreams, yeah, but okay. it can't. But I think those are, to me, those are the two most creative, you know, most unusual, most unexpected tracks on, certainly out of the first nine here, maybe yes. maybe out of all 18. But yeah, I think all my dreams is just... Uh, Prince outtake treasure and mm-hmm. for it to finally find a spot and be available on streaming services those both get all, all thumbs up for me yeah agreed well I'm so glad that you I chose wonderful days so you could choose all my dreams and we could have the two most delightful songs in the first half of this record for be. sure get a mention yeah both yep. get a mention so Tell us what we're going to talk about next time. Oh, big surprise. I know that it's (laughs) going to sound like a crazy idea, but why don't we look at the second half of Vault Disc 1, tracks 10 through 18. Okay. And we'll uh, treat them the same way, give them the uh, the time that they, each nine, deserve. Agreed. Agreed. Thank you so much for listening. We know that we don't just come on the radio, that you make a choice when you listen to us. And we thank you for it. Do tell a friend because it's way more fun when you can listen with a friend. And rate and review because it really does help us get found. And we like to be found so that we have more of a discussion with all of you lovely people. So thank you so much for listening. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for listening. Wait, what, what are we doing again? <laughs> what disc are we on now? You How sound many like... songs are we doing? <laughs> you sound like that guy from the NPG album. Oh, Exodus. Wait, wait, she's great. <laughs> Mashed potato curl. <laughs> her. Or her. She's great. great. <laughs>